0: and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for Session 79 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Today, I'm joined by another one of my amazing line sisters for a discussion about infertility. Our guest therapist today is Dr. Andrika Pete. Dr. Pete is a licensed clinical psychologist with a private practice in downtown Decatur, Georgia, where she specializes in women's mental and reproductive health. Her practice focuses on working with fertility concerns, third-party reproduction, miscarriage and perinatal loss, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, birth trauma relationship concerns, and other mood disorders. She also has a specialty in working with university students. Dr. Pete received her doctorate in clinical psychology from the Georgia School of Professional Psychology, her master's of public health degree with a maternal and child health concentration from Tulane University, and her undergraduate degree from Xavier University of Louisiana, which of course is where we met. Dr. Pete and I discussed some of the cultural issues that impact the conversation around black women infertility, some of the alternative paths to motherhood her clients have employed, how she helps her clients manage their mental health through these processes, and she shared her favorite resources for anyone who wants to learn more about the topic. If something really connects with you while listening, please share it with us on social media using the hashtag, TBG in session. Here's our conversation.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today, Drika. Thank you for having me, Dr. Joy.
0: I'm so excited to be here. Very excited to have you. I'm happy our schedules were finally able to align to get you on the podcast. Yes. Yeah, and I do think it's really important and really timely for you to be here chatting with me because there have definitely been lots and lots of conversations around infertility Um, It feels like, you know, just in the media and kind of in community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you tell me what are some of the most common causes of infertility?
1: Yeah, you know, infertility impacts a lot of people. And there are a lot of things that we do know and a lot of things that we don't know. Um, And so from a risk factor perspective, there's lots of things, especially thinking about women. There is history of fibroids endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome. About 40% of people who have endometriosis will experience some degree of infertility. And, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware what endometriosis is or if our listeners really know what that is, but it's when like there's a tissue that's similar to the tissue that's in the uterus that Kind of gets in other parts of the pelvic area and it can make it difficult to sustain a pregnancy. And the polycystic ovarian syndrome that I mentioned previously is a hormonal imbalance where there is an excessive amount of androgens. So that's also a risk factor. Other risk factors are previous histories of certain STIs being really significantly out of your BMI weight range. So being very overweight or very underweight is also something to be thoughtful about. And then there's some pieces of infertility that we just don't know what's causing it. So that's also extremely frustrating for people as well.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I would imagine that that is really frustrating, right? Like to be not have anything going on that you've mentioned and still not be sure why you cannot sustain it.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think it's really hard. I think, you know, about, it's about a third there are going to be different numbers out there but there's about a third of like when you're thinking about couples who are experiencing infertility about a third of that it can be due to infertility or fertility issues related to the woman about a third of that can be fertility issues related to the male and then a third of that is just sort of unexplained mm-hmm. and I find that for a lot of my clients they they really have a hard and difficult time with that mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah So what are some of the most common kinds of concerns, you know, when you have either singles or couples coming to you with concerns? What are some of the most common things that they're struggling with?
1: Well, you know, I think first off, there's just a lot of grief. And I think sometimes people don't recognize it as grief or realize it as grief. I think for many people, and this is not true for all people, but for many people, they spend a majority of their life trying to prevent pregnancy. Right? And then they make a decision or a choice to sort of expand their family. And then when that doesn't happen naturally or easily, then there's a grief process that happens with that. And then for people who are single, there's sometimes a grief process that happens with that of it not happening the way that they thought it might happen. And so I see a lot of that. I think some of the other stuff that I see a lot of is a lot of anxiety. If you think about it, like, you're constantly sort of worrying and waiting and wanting to know, is it going to happen this month? Is it not going to happen this month? And then if you're undergoing any kind of fertility treatments, then it's, you're often thinking about, like, well, what am I eating? What am I putting in my body? Am I doing all the right things? Am I taking my medicine at the right time? Am I, am I too stressed out? Am I not stressed out enough? Should I be worried about this? And so I think a lot of times people are just experiencing a lot of anxiety because it's just a really anxiety provoking process.
0: Yeah. And I would imagine that that would be really hard to work with. Right. I mean, because I think, you know, just the entire like whole idea of like either becoming pregnant or not mm-hmm. becoming pregnant. Like there's just a lot of anxiety around that entire process. And Absolutely. so, yeah, how, how do you work with your clients to try to manage some of that anxiety?
1: Well, you know, I think the first thing is I validate it. You know, I think a lot of times, a lot of well-meaning people in, you know, my clients' lives are like, don't worry about it. Don't be so stressed out about it. You know, I got pregnant when I stopped thinking about it, you know, and I think people are sort of really well-intentioned when they're saying that. But I also think that, you know, there is some validity in that this is something that you really cannot control and that it is making you feel anxious. And so one of the first things I do is really try to validate their experience, give them a place to be able to put it out there and process it, because I don't think they really have those places. And not because people don't care, it's because people want them to feel better. They don't want them to worry, so they try and take it away. And then I think the other thing that I really try to help clients do is to stay as grounded in the present moment as possible. And so really a lot of mindfulness is really helpful when working with this because you can only deal with what you can deal with what's right in front of you right now. You don't know what's going to happen next week when you are expecting your period or you don't know what's going to happen or what the result of this next test is going to be. So I really try to help people get into more of a mindful space and really learn how to anchor themselves in the present moment. So that's something that I do a lot.
0: Yeah, it seems like those kinds of strategies and techniques mm-hmm. would be really helpful.
1: hmm
0: Yeah. So, you know, I know that there are lots of options, you know, like if people have kind of exhausted all of the options um, Mm -hmm. related to kind of the natural or typical way that people become pregnant, what are some other options or paths to motherhood that you maybe help your clients explore?
1: Well, you know... There is assisted reproductive technologies. It's called ART. And I work with so many couples and some single people. They're called choice parents who are really using these methods to grow their families. And ART or assisted reproductive technologies is very broad. That's sort of like the umbrella. And there are lots of different ways to do it underneath that. And so some of those, the most common... Are what we call IUI which is an intrauterine insemination and so in the IUI process it's just when there's a concentrated sperm that is inserted directly into the woman's uterus and so say that is a heterosexual couple and they there are lots of tests that are involved in that and so if there's still good egg quality and there's still good sperm quality then that is also an option. The other option is IVF, which is in vitro fertilization. And that's a process where the eggs are taken and extracted from the uterus. And then the sperm is, you get a sample of that and they are sort of mixed together in dish to create an embryo. And then once the embryo is formed, then the embryo is implanted and transferred directly into the woman. So, those are some really common options that people use. And there are different reasons for going down that route. Now, even further down there, you can do egg donations. So, say, for example, women who's eggs are not viable for whatever reason, they can seek to have egg donation and use their partner's sperm, or perhaps there's an issue with the sperm, or perhaps you're a single person or you are a same-sex couple, you can get sperm donation. You can also have embryo donations. So there are times when people have leftover embryos and they're healthy and they're not going to use them and they don't want them to be discarded. They will put them up for embryo adoption. And then the embryo, you could be, say, a couple could choose this embryo and have it implanted via IVF. So there are lots of options.
0: And I would also imagine with those options, though, that also comes with some challenges. So, can you talk about maybe some of the challenges your clients have, even if they've decided on that process?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it comes with a lot of challenges. I think, specifically, number one, is it expensive? I mean, a round of IVF typically in general costs about $20,000. And insurance may or may not cover any of that. So, there is a huge financial component. Okay, and that is not even talking about the stress and strain that it puts on a person's body to go through this process. Because when you're going through fertility treatments, you are taking a lot of medication to prepare your body for ovulation. You're getting injections of different hormones. And so there's a lot of physical changes that are happening that are happening in your body at one time and not just physical, but you know, hormones also impact you emotionally. So there are a lot of emotional changes in things that may feel extremely unsettling to you, to your partner, to your friends and family. People may not understand why you're acting a certain way or why you're behaving a certain way. And then in addition to that, there's a significant, and this is another piece of where the anxiety really comes in is that you have to go to these appointments based around your cycle. So you can't just say, oh, I'm going to take off next Friday from work and I'm going to take care of all of this stuff. Like whenever your cycle starts, so you have to be vigilant about when that's happening and then you have to have enough flexibility within your work situation to be able to attend these appointments kind of at random, you know, without a lot of notice. And I think that just causes a lot of stress. And because there's still a lot of stigma. I'm so grateful we're talking about this, but there's a lot of stigma, especially within the Black community around this, that people are not necessarily really open about what's happening for them. And so they're sort of going through this process with limited amounts of support at times. And so I think it's just really stressful. Yeah,
0: and I'm glad you said that because I do think, you know, that there's a lot of like misinformation um, Mm -hmm. about like what these processes involve. But also I think, there can be this thought that, like, Black women don't struggle with this. Like, we're just uh-huh. supposed to be super fertile, right? Kind of mm-hmm. dating back to some of those old stereotypes about what Black women mm-hmm. are. And so, you know, having to even maybe admit that you're having these struggles, I think, feels like a big deal for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, completely. And I'm so grateful that you mentioned that because I think just, like, culturally, the messages that, you know, historically have been put out about Black women is, is very hypersexualized and very fertile. Right, So there's this sort of message that has been placed on Black women in the community about our ability to be fertile. And then that sort of was placed on us. But then I think within the Black community, there is this this sense about family, you know, that that being central and important. And so I think a lot of times there's a lot of pressure to feel like you are extending your family, right? Like you're creating additional children, you're you're creating your own family unit. And I think that's a lot of pressure. And then when we're talking just culturally, there's a lot of stigma about like keeping, you know, your business to yourself, right? There's a, There's a lot of that in the Black community about not telling your business to everybody. And being private and superwoman and being able to handle everything and be seen as having it all together all the time. So I just think there's a lot of different sort of nuances culturally that adds to the pressure of this.
0: Yeah, and I think, Drinka, I would also want to hear more about, like, I would imagine that this can be really stressful for couples. Uh-huh. Um, You know, like, how do you have maybe some of those difficult conversations or, you know, and I know I've seen it depicted, like, on TV, but I'm sure some of this is real about, mm-hmm. like, when are we going to kind of say enough, like, what's going to be the oh. finish line, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, So I'm curious about, like, some of those conversations and how you might be able to broach those kinds of topics.
1: You know, that is such a, like, pertinent question. You know, that comes up a lot, and I have seen it in all types of couples, in heterosexual couples and same-sex couples, of, like, when is enough enough? And a lot of times, one person is really pushing to keep going, and the other person is like, I need to, like, this has to stop. And it tends to be the partner that is not undergoing the physical treatment that wants it to stop. It's very interesting. And it's almost like for one of the partner from, in my experience, it's mostly like they have gone through all of this in their bodies and they just feel like they want it to be worth something. They want, you know, there to be having an outcome. And so I think it's really difficult because it feels really hard to be on the opposite end of a spectrum with someone, your partner, when you're trying to grow your family. And it can put you sort of at odds. And oftentimes what I encourage couples to do is to be honest with what they're experiencing and what they're feeling, even if they are afraid of hurting the other person's feelings. Because a lot of times I will get the sense that one person wants to stop and the other person doesn't, and it's just sort of showing up in their attitude versus just saying it directly. And so I encourage, number one, I encourage couples to have open, honest dialogue, even when it's difficult and it's hard. The second thing I really think is important to think about with that is really questioning why you want to stop or why you want to keep going. Like really asking yourself, what is motivating me to keep going? Is it this idea that, like, I'm only a woman if I have a child? Is it this idea that our family is only valid if we have children? Is it that we've already spent this much money so we can't stop now? Like, what is really motivating you to continue? And then, see, do you really believe that? Because a lot of times we just keep going. Based off of these stories that we have in our minds that we've just accepted as true, but we haven't evaluated them. And really understanding, like, is this a message that you're getting from society or is this something that's coming from you internally? And then also asking yourself the same question if you're the person that wants to stop. Like, is this fear? Is this just about money? It's painful for me to see my partner going through this, and I just feel completely helpless. So really evaluating these things may not necessarily just give you a clear understanding of what decision you want to make, but it can help you be able to have a conversation in a constructive way.
0: Those are some great tips, Drika. And I do think, yeah. you know, a lot of that could be helpful even for discussing other kinds of things, especially mm-hmm. the part about holding on to these stories. And we don't even know, one, where they came from or why mm-hmm. we are still believing
1: it, mm-hmm. um, you know, so
0: really evaluating it to see if it is true for you, I think, could be helpful in a lot of different situations.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So
0: you've already mentioned some of the expense that may be related to, you know, kind of undergoing some of these uh, procedures and stuff. But I'm mm-hmm. wondering also, just because I do feel like we are seeing more in pop culture, especially around like women freezing their eggs and uh-huh. jobs are offering this as a, um, as a benefit in some cases, what other things should people be thinking about besides like the cost related to it um, in terms of like, you know, what they may be kind of signing up for?
1: Yeah. You know what? And I'm I'm grateful that you said it. I want to go back to, because I didn't even mention gestational carriers or, or, um, surrogacy. Oh yeah. that's come also, back to that Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> uh, I was like, I didn't even mention that, but some of the other things, like when you're mentioning sort of freezing your eggs and things like that, people are even like men are even choosing to bank their um, sperm sometimes. And it's called fertility preservation. And I think, you know, when you start to think about that kind of thing for yourself, it's like, especially if you are a single person or you feel like you're not financially in the place where you want to start your family with having children, then I think you need to just think about finances. We talked about that, but also thinking about it from a moral and sort of spiritual standpoint. Like, how do you really feel about all of this? I think that's a lot of conflict that some people really have. What do you really think about life and where it begins in reproduction? And what does it mean to have your eggs stored? Or what does it mean to have embryos stored? I think these are really tough questions that I don't think people really think about necessarily. And then they're in the process and they start to feel discomfort because they haven't wrestled with some of these realities of that this is a medical process. And so it really sometimes bugs up against people's religious spiritual or moral beliefs and so really thinking about that and and where where you fall with that how you align with that before you get into the process so that you can make a clear decision for yourself because again you might start to feel bullied into making a choice that you don't really feel comfortable with because you've already spent so much money or you've already done one thing or another So those are some of the things. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I
0: do think it does. And I have never heard that aspect brought out, Drika. So I'm glad you highlighted that because I do think, you know, people may have some kinds of feelings about that. But again, you don't ever hear that specific piece of the of the puzzle really highlighted you just hear like oh you're getting close to 35 so if you're going to want to have kids at Mm -hmm. some point you better go explore other options right yeah so I don't know that we always get like a full picture of everything that should be considered when you're making that decision
1: yeah and I think people don't realize that they may have those feelings you know Mm -hmm. it's almost one of those things like until they start getting into the process You know, I've had so many clients come in and almost whisper and say, oh, my gosh, this just kind of feels unnatural to me. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like, okay, let's talk about that. They didn't even really think about that beforehand. Mm -hmm. And so I think wrestling with that is really important. And not only that, but also really identifying, like, your support right? Like you have to be careful about who you share things with because not everyone is going to be able to support you because we all have our own stuff. (laughs) We all have our own views and opinions about things, but really being able to identify people who are support people for you and really be able to sort of talk through and wrestle through some of these things you may not necessarily think about, especially like single choice parents, as we call them, like think about the impact it may have on a future relationship. Like you haven't met that person yet. So you don't know how they may feel about if you go ahead and preserve your eggs or some people even go and get donors and make embryos and store them. Like you just never know how people might feel about that. And are you okay with that? And that's what it's all about. It's about individually really thinking through these things and deciding for yourself what you're okay with.
0: So I do want to add in, like we were talking about, this, using a surrogate to carry yeah. a child. So what are some of the kind of special precautions and things we want to think through around that?
1: I mean, I think this one is really different because there are different ways to do that and different reasons why you do it. But this is, you're bringing in a whole other person into your um, process of having this baby, right? And there's a lot of control that you're giving up when someone else is physically carrying your child, right? So I think there's just a lot of different pieces of that. So you can use a surrogate or gestational carrier with your own eggs and your partner's sperm or your own eggs and a donor sperm or a donor embryo. It could be all sorts of ways that that happens and reasons why you may choose to do that. But, you know, with any... Carrier that you use, they do have to have a full psychological evaluation, so I think it's really significant and important to do that. I think they're also really thoughtful about who this person is whether you go through an agency or whether or not you use a friend or someone offers to do it for you. I think it's really important to really think about the proximity of this person in your life, and I will tell you that some times the proximity may it be a sibling or something like that that works beautifully other times that adds complications because sometimes especially if someone is asked to be a gestational carrier or a surrogate they may feel pressure to say yes just based off of the relationship and may not really have wanted to do it so that also can be some pressure which hopefully that would come out in a psychological evaluation But you also have to have a counseling session with, they're called the intended parents. These are the people who will be taking the baby home with them and the gestational carrier present. And a lot of times people are just so excited and want the process to go smoothly that they don't want to press. They feel like the person is carrying their baby so they can, you know, just whatever they can do to make it easier for them, they're going to do that. And so they're not really fully forthcoming with, like, yeah, I really do want to come to all of the um, doctor's appointments. Or, yes, I really would prefer for you to stay away from caffeine. And, yes, I really would, you know, I would really appreciate it if you didn't travel to a country that has Zika right now. Or I would really appreciate it if you gave me a call before you went out of town. Like, just being honest with what you would really hope and what you would really expect about the process because otherwise resentment can start to build as the relationship goes on. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It really
0: seems like there would be a lot of communication that would need to happen.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of questions and just, and then there's the financial aspect of it of like, because oftentimes um a carrier or surrogate is financially compensated especially if it comes through an agency Um, and so just making sure that you don't feel taken advantage of but making sure that people feel compensated and they're not feeling taken advantage of as a carrier or surrogate and so it's just it's a lot of dynamics that happens interpersonally and there are a lot of beautiful wonderful relationships that come through that but I just think you have to be extremely intentional extremely intentional and really communicative and always checking in to make sure that you stay on the same page.
0: So I know that you do these evaluations, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. What kinds of things are you looking for to determine whether somebody is like a good candidate to be a surrogate? or gestational care.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's a full process. They come in, they fill out a lot of questionnaires, especially if they're going through an agency. So they fill out a lot of information just sort of about themselves, you know, their likes and dislikes, their background, their history. And I think the couples then go through and sort of look at all that information and try to match themselves with sort of personality-wise. Um, so I think a lot of that is taken care of by the agencies before they even come to me. When they come to me, I really want to do a full, like, sort of thorough clinical interview, just really getting a sense of somebody's really, their ability to really consent to this process, because it, it really is, they're putting their health at risk in some ways, you know, and it, their body and everything. So making sure that they really have a full awareness and understanding about, what it is they're signing up for. So their ability to be able to fully consent to this process. You also want to see somebody that wants to do it, not just for a financial situation. There has to be some altruism in it. Otherwise, I think they could start to feel resentful pretty quickly. So I think there's a piece of that that you really want to think about. I really look at the stability of their lives, their position with children, how many children have they had, how did those pregnancies go? How did those deliveries go? Do they plan to have any more children? Because you really want to be thoughtful about what if something happens and you're no longer able to have children? Like, how is that going to impact you and your own fertility history? Looking at their mental health history, you know, really wanting to make sure that they're stable and able to sort of, Deal with some of the emotional stress that not only comes from carrying a child to term, but in dealing with a very special type in different relationships. So, looking at their mental health history and then also trauma background, anything that may get triggered through this process, is important to really make sure that they work through that, that they have awareness and they have support in their lives to help them individually. Then, I also give them a personality assessment inventory, a PEI. Just also sort of have an objective uh, measure to see if there's any, any mental health or personality things that I should really be aware of.
0: Yeah. So it definitely sounds like a very thorough process. Yeah. At least the evaluation piece of it.
1: Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. pretty thorough, but I mean, you know, you still can't predict exactly what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. right? Of course.
1: Yeah. So, so
0: Drika, it feels like a common theme that I have heard out of much of what you said today is like really helping to slow down the process. Because I can imagine, you know, especially if you haven't done this evaluation of like, why am I doing this? Like, mm-hmm. at some point, it begins to feel like a, a finish line, right? Like that, This is this thing I'm trying to achieve and I just got to keep running without really figuring out, like you said, why am I doing this? You know, am Mm -hmm. I really committed to going this far? You know, Mm -hmm. what's going to be kind of like the when I call it quiz kind of thing? So it it sounds Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of like just slowing down the process and really helping people to think through their decisions Mm -hmm. that you do Mm -hmm. with your clients.
1: Yeah, I do. And it actually goes against what they really want a lot of times. (laughs) Because there's a lot of pressure, like, well, if I'm going to get in by this, because everything is about your cycle. So if I'm going to get in by this cycle, then I have to do it by this date. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, there's a lot of, I need to hurry up because I need to get all of this stuff done. Or there's a round of tests that they've done and with the reproductive endocrinologist, which is um, the physicians that they're working with, those tests are only good for a certain period of time. So if it doesn't work within you know, a certain period of time, they have to redo the test. So there's a lot of pressure to move quickly through the process. And so I think it's almost really difficult for them when I'm trying to slow them down a little bit. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it, but it's also very needed because of all it's, the reasons yeah. that you've identified.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, yeah. and then I think too, like I think we can't talk about this without talking about loss. Um, you know, lots of miscarriages, lots of loss, and I know you've had a a podcast recently about miscarriage and you know um, surviving that, and. I think that also adds a lot to the pressure. You know, people have experienced like maybe even positive pregnancy tests and then losing the child or they've um, had failed IVF attempts, you know, in the past and they're just trying to get it to work as soon as possible, right? Like they feel this pressure. Um, And so I think that plays a part in the anxiety of it as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. So I know something that I've loved that I've seen you do before is really helping people to kind of develop strategies to be happy with the life they have while they're Mm -hmm. building towards the life they'd like to have. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was wondering if you could share some tips for people who are, you know, maybe in this phase or thinking about, you know, starting some treatments and things um, for how they can kind of, you know, be okay right now.
1: Yes. And this is super important for my couples out there, too, because a lot of the relationship issues and concerns, I know we talked about, like, when one person wants to stop and the other person doesn't. But a lot of times it's like this becomes the third person in the relationship, right? Like this be trying to have a baby becomes the the third wheel in the relationship. And it's like everything that you do or talk about is all about this. So I really encourage couples to create their bucket list. And that's like just things that they really want to do, new things, new places, things they want to try, you know, just to really fully engage in their lives outside of having a child right like or because another thing that we haven't talked about is secondary infertility which is also something that's really um, painful for a lot of people so they may have one child but still experiencing secondary infertility that's not being able to carry a baby to term or conceive after having viable pregnancy previously and so it becomes this third person in the relationship. And so really sort of giving themselves a focus other than trying to have a baby is really helpful. And then I think you can do that whether you're in a relationship or not. I think even a single person, you can do that. Just really fully engaging in your life, thinking about what are some things that I really just want to try you know, or places I want to go. So that's one thing. And then I keep coming back to mindfulness and staying in the present. One of my other passions and love is yoga. And I recently completed my yoga teacher training and have been weaving that into my practice more and more. And that is really helping people really sort of connect to their bodies and what their bodies do for them, right? Because a lot of fertility is like, oh, my body is failing me. You know, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing, but really sort of the strength that your body provides for you every day in the sense of walking you around and um, allowing you to eat food and allowing you to see things you enjoy and smell things that you really enjoy. And so really helping people to connect into their bodies and ground in the present moment and also into the gifts of their bodies and enjoy their lives you know, and what their bodies can do for them is something that I also really try to work with clients about. And even, and this is really hard for people, but I sometimes encourage people to even write a thank you letter to their bodies for all the ways that it has supported them throughout life. Because I think there is a lot of attention on the ways that the body is failing them. Mm-hmm. So and there's just not a lot of attention on the ways in which your body is supporting you.
0: Yeah, and I think that there likely could be even a disconnect between like you and your body after like mm-hmm. maybe going through so many medical procedures that it almost oh, feels yeah. like a foreign kind of thing, right? So mm-hmm. the letter writing might help this, you know, to even mm-hmm. kind of do some connection back to, oh, this is actually where I live. This is yeah. my body that I occupy.
1: Yeah. You know, and I also, if people can't slow down the process, like, you know what, like if you've been trying for a long time and you know, your birthday month is coming up, why not take that month off, right? Like, enjoy yourself, enjoy your birthday, like, give yourself sort of fertility breaks, I, mm-hmm. I try to tell people, because you know what, sometimes people, you know, Joy, like, people spend six to sometimes ten years in this process, you know, and so sometimes giving yourself breaks is, is needed you know, yeah. to just reconnect with your life in other ways. And so that's one of the other things that I talk to them about, too. Like, would this be a good time to just take a fertility break?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? and probably you even giving them permission makes them yeah, feel better.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, so what are some of the books and things that you find yeah. yourself kind of recommending over and over?
1: You know, I think, There's so much out there. Mm -hmm. And so this this is my thing. There is something out there for you, for every personality, for every person who's like, I just want the science, for every person who is like, oh, but I want the natural, you know, I want to go into acupuncture and I want to do this. Like, there's something out there for you too. But to be careful. Because you can get overloaded with all of the websites, all of the Instagram accounts. Like, you can be sucked in, but then it can make you anxious about things you didn't even know could happen. Right? So it's, like, also being mindful of, like, as I talk about these things, also being mindful of how much you're using it and giving yourself some breaks from even some of the social media. Um, But there's some great podcasts out there. There is Sisters in Laws which is a really good podcast, It's by sort of Erica McAfee. I can't, I'm not sure. McAfee. McAfee. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that's really good. Black Girl's Guide to Fertility, Sunhara Eastman. That's a good podcast that's out there. There is, like, like we talked about, I think miscarriage and fertility issues sometimes go hand in hand for some people, for a lot of people. So I had a miscarriage. That's on Instagram. That's really good. Um, some books just about fertility in general. It's like it starts with the egg. And then some apps for just the mindfulness is there's one called FertiCalm, F-E-R-T-I-C-A-L-M. And so that's really just mind, body, sort of self-help skills for fertility. Um, Headspace is another great mindfulness app. There's IVF Planner, which really helps you keep track of your doctor's appointment. So there's just so many different things on there. But there's another thing that I want to make sure that I mention, and this because this makes me think about a different book, is that sometimes people don't feel like they have permission to stop, to just say, I'm not going to do this anymore. And there's not a lot of support out there. In a lot of these forums, people are actively trying to get pregnant, they're actively, you know, and so you're not going to find a lot of people saying, I'm just not going to do this anymore, you know, and so I have seen so many people struggle and try to find, like, support groups, and for just people who just want to stop and figure out how to live again, post fertility issues, and so there's a book called Sweet Grapes, And it's by Jean J.E.A.N. Carter and Michael Carter. It is a wife and husband team. I believe they're both physicians. And they talk about their um, fertility journey and making the conscious choice to stop and how to then live your life again post-fertility issues and post-trying and striving for that. So I think that's also a really good resource for people. Um, And then the last one is Resolve, R-E-S-O-L-V-E.org. It's sort of like the national sort of infertility um, website. It has so much information about just the facts about what infertility is, the acronyms, the medical tests, all kinds of stuff. So it's a really good resource, and it can connect you to lots of different support groups that happen both online and in person in different regions of the United States.
0: Perfect. Those sound like some incredible resources. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: So where can people find you online? I would imagine that people are going to want to find out what do you do? They want to know more yeah. about you. So what, what's your website as well as any social media handles you want to share?
1: Yes. So my website is www.women's wellnessatlanta.com. So that's women's, W-O-M-E-N-S, wellnessatlanta.com. And then you can also find me on Instagram at A Breathing Space for Women. And then I am also on Facebook at Women's Wellness Atlanta.
0: Cool. And all of that will be included in the show notes for anybody who didn't catch it. Okay.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so
0: much for sharing this information with us today, Dr. Pete. I know it will be so helpful to people.
1: Thank you so much. It's, so, it's just so fun to get to do this with you, just from college to now. It's amazing. And I'm just so grateful for what you're doing because I know you're just helping so many people. So thanks, Dr. Joy.
0: Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us. I'm so happy Dr. Pete was able to share her expertise with us today. To check out the resources that she shared and to learn more about her practice, visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com session79. And please make sure to share your takeaways from the episode in your IG stories or on Twitter. Be sure to use the hashtag TBG in session so that we can share them. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to visit the therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com directory. And don't forget to check out the Therapy for Black Girls store to grab a t-shirt, sweatshirt, or a mug to show your love for the podcast. You can find this at therapyforblackgirls.com slash shop. And if you want to continue this conversation and join a community of other sisters who listen to the podcast, join us over in the Thrive Tribe, which is the Facebook group for our community. You can request to join at therapyforblackgirls.com slash tribe make sure you answer the three questions that are asked to gain entry thank y'all so much for joining me again this week and i look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon take good care